It's the Bible Rundown, Pastors Rob, David, and guess what, Rob? We got a special guest in the house, special Pastor in Residence, guest. Stephen Klug. Hello, <laughs> Steve Klug. Welcome, Steve Klug. Welcome. So we are day 98, 1 Samuel 11 through 12, Luke 9, and boy, this guy, Saul, he's not messing around. So he's been anointed as king. There's some riffraff that say, really, this guy's going to be king over us, and they don't buy into it. And this is Saul's first opportunity to have his leadership tested. How is it going to play out? Rob, give us the breakdown. What happens? Well, Saul, Saul is actually seen here as, as, as kind of walking with the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. He fights, uh, he fights for the people as uh, a good king would do. And he goes to battle on behalf of the people here. And, um, and he wins. And he gathers the people up. And he, he goes. And this is, this is what the Lord wants to do. I mean, it's, this is the king. But we'll see later that he does not do what the Lord wants him to do. Yeah. Steve, what do you think of his uh, leadership tactic to recruit people to his cause, where he takes these ox and cuts them up and sends them out and says, hey, basically, you don't do this. This is what's going to happen to your oxen. Well, it's really hard, but I think the spirit of God rushing through him was more of what causes people to follow him. Mm. He might do This is the problem that Saul has always. And that we will find out later on where his spirit, but he does some extra things. I don't think mm-hmm. that this was needed. Mm-hmm. I think this is an extra where he's like, hey, come. He had, it, you know, in verse 6, the spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. He had the spirit of God. God had already anointed him. He did not need to do anything extra to have the people follow him. They feared the Lord that's where he needs to point them to is the fear of the Lord, not the fear that I'm going to slaughter you too. And so I think Saul, you can see right here, just a bit of Saul mm-hmm. really making that kind of doesn't need to do it going outside of God's plan. It's a good transition to chapter 12. With yeah, I just, I just think, uh, remember we had this, yeah. this scene of the cutting up the pieces and sending him out in the camp in judges and so now Saul is requesting obedience from the tribes to unify them reminding them of the wickedness that had once taken place that unified them before yeah no that's good and just touching on I think what Steve's talking about we don't need anything extra we just need to remind ourselves of having a right fear of the Lord that seems to be Samuel's motivation Uh, in chapter 12 right so they go back to renew this commitment to God's anointed king and as part of it Samuel draws upon the history of the people Mm. God gave Mm. them Moses and Aaron that led them out of Egypt he raised up for them the judges when they faced the king of Moab and others that were uh, still opposed to the peoples they were coming into the promised land and then now the king Nahash of the Ammonites is put down by the Lord's anointed. But there's kind of this mixed messaging, I feel like, with what Samuel's saying, right? Like, you rejected God as king, so he's giving you this king. 
But I think, Steve, you're kind of talk, touching on it. The extra things that the people have added into just trusting that the Lord is sufficient and being content with his leadership over them. Yeah, and, and Samuel's kind of given his farewell address, just as Moses did. Mount Gerasim, Mount Ebal, yeah. which choose which which one choose life or death, and he's kind of giving the same speech almost here, as as Moses once did. It's like, hey, you can choose to obey the Lord's commands, or you can choose to reject. If you disobey the Lord's commands, you and your king are going to be the Lord's hand will be against you. Yeah, and like we were talking about the other day, that's kind of the role of the preacher, right? Remind the people role of the preacher. Remind people of the word of the Lord and. Be obedient to it. So, flashing forward, we're in Luke 9 today. Mm. Uh, A lot going on here. And as we were talking through it, Rob, you're getting ready to preach Easter. And you're going to preach a passage in Mark that has many of these same accounts. But there's one significant miracle that's missing. And you talked about Luke is drawing our attention to a different aspect of right. Christ. So what do you think that is? What what are these stories fitting in here in this chapter for us? I think he's he's showing us that not only is he the Lord of all, but he has the power over all of these areas of Scripture. So um, not only does he have the power to send, he has the power uh, over um, the elements of of provision he has the power over um he has the power over uh of the demonic with the unclean spirit um he he also he keeps telling us about his death and his resurrection um to the disciples but they don't get it um and and here's the deal I think that part of the thing is in today's culture is sometimes people don't get it. That there is a cost to following Jesus. That there is a response to the Messiah that is not, oh, yay, we we just follow him and we we have our own kingdom and, and we just do whatever we want and everything is hunky-dory. No, Jesus, his life, was to come and die and that's what he's calling his disciples to do and so for us you know we sometimes we see jesus halfway we don't see him wholly as he is of what we are called to do as followers of christ and to give our life for the gospel message and for the lord jesus it's good steve what do you see one of the interesting things that i see here is the in verse 23 And he said to all of them, If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He's saying this before he's hung on the cross. Mm -hmm. So the meaning of the cross and his understanding that he is going to die on the cross, he's speaking that right here. Mm -hmm. Before he enters into that process. And so... For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Like, this is a very powerful message to me. It's just really interesting that he uses the language of the cross Mm -hmm. to carry our cross before he has entered into that. And so it shows truly that God knew what was about to happen. He keeps trying to tell them, 
and here he says it in plain words the cross mm-hmm. and so it's interesting that he's used some plain words that I've never really noticed this before that um, he's mentioning the cross before he's been to the cross yeah and so I, I just think that sometimes we are really blind and we have to throughout this Herod is like is that who is this Jesus guy we hear this over and over again where we are blind to who Christ is and I think that we have to rely and trust in God's word spoken here yeah and so that would be what I come to notice no that's good I think another picking up on these themes of, of blindness and what Jesus is teaching I mean to me what jumps out is when Jesus is recruiting followers to himself we just talked about Saul how he recruits people to himself with the spirit of the Lord upon him Jesus sets up all the negatives of either what would disqualify you from being considered his follower right so mm-hmm. if you're unwilling to mm-hmm. welcome children into the ministry you're not one of his followers if you're unwilling to suffer Steve as you talked about yeah. you're not worthy of being my follower and this last warning right if you cannot get your priorities in order and put me as priority and allow the things and the worries of this world to, to drown it out, then you're not worthy of being my follower. Um, I think sometimes we can be blind to what we think Jesus' motivations are for us following him, mm-hmm. right? The benefits of our salvation are not things that we take for granted now. We understand those to be things that will enter into an eternal rest that he'll give us. But for now, it's a season of of labor it's a season of hardship right yeah so i want to i want to discuss this really hard thing here at the end of this verse as you brought out david it is that jesus said leave the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god another said but let me first say farewell to those at my home jesus said to him no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back fit for the kingdom of god so are you saying is Jesus saying that we shouldn't care about our family and we shouldn't care for loved ones and their their dying or their death? Well, and earlier, right, we saw some come up to him and say, hey, your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. And he, he said, look around. These are my, right. these are my family, right? So, so what do we think here? Let's, let's answer this question. Uh, realistically what do we think what what is Jesus actually saying here if you guys don't have any thoughts I do so (laughs) we all have thoughts we have thoughts I for me I do think that we get caught up in worldly worldly ideas I think the disciples did as well we see this right before this who is the greatest among us they saw this as an earthly kingdom And if we are looking only at earthly kingdoms, if we do not put our family into God's hands, we are missing the opportunity of God being able to mold and shape them. So I want to raise my kids to know God. I can give them the law day and night until I let them and know that God is good and that he will complete a good work in my children. I have no say into that. Christ is the one that saves my children, not me. And so I think sometimes when we look back, 
We're so concerned about what the worldly things I need to bury my dad. That's a worldly idea. I need to take care of this business. That's a worldly business. And I think when we point our families and our every in our family and the church or however it might be, if we are pointed towards Christ, that is the goal. We can see the kingdom. We are not looking behind. We are looking forward to Christ. That would be my response. Mm. What do you think, Rob? By the way, we're just going in order of how we're seated. Yeah. So Rob is at, the, at right. one end of the table. Rob's in the middle. So I'll close this out with the word of wisdom. So here, here, here's my thoughts on this. I think obviously the Lord looks at the heart, not right. the issue. So right. I mean, if we if were talking about the letter of the law, we couldn't realistically we couldn't bury our parents, or we couldn't mm-hmm. you know go back to our home and say goodbye to our people if we're on the mission field or something like that. Something crazy like that. People will take that as a way to read the Bible. That's not how we read the Bible. The read, reading the Bible is, is taking the Word of God and exegeting it from, from the Scriptures and the context and the content and all the things that are, are here. But when we understand that Christ is, I, I liked what you said earlier, that Christ is our priority, if we make excuses of all the things of why we will not proclaim the gospel. Right. If we make excuses of all the reasons why we will not go to the lost, if we make all the excuses of not doing what God has called us to do, whether it be in the church, whether it be overseas, whether it be in in our home, whether it be in our neighborhood, whether it be in in our community, if we are making excuses for all the reasons why we have to wait until the Lord, uh, we obey the Lord, we, we have failed to execute our heart change of wanting to love Christ and live his mission. Yes. So I think it's a summary of both, right? So how do we deal with anxiety when we are facing, Steve, I think you were touching on that, right? Like I've got these things in my life that I want to be taken care of, so trust God with them, right? Yeah. Don't be overly anxious. You can't control your circumstances. You can't control everything in life. And then, Rob, I think you're getting at this bigger principle of what is the priority in life. And I think that's the thing. These are would-be followers. So if we connect both, it's just like, to me, it's kind of the parable of the seed, right? When the sower goes out and sows, the worries of the world choke out the desire for it. So it's not so much that... Jesus is saying you can't go and take care of your family when they die and you can't take care of these things when you do it. But if you're going to put priorities over the kingdom of God because you have a lack of trust in that obeying Jesus first is going to result in your greatest good, then you're probably not fit for the kingdom. You're not fit for Jesus' kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it comes back, I think, with what we'll see with Saul, right? Mm-hmm. He does not trust that just simple obedience to what God has commanded is enough. So he takes matters in his own hands, and we won't get ahead of ourselves, but that'll be for tomorrow. Come on. See you tomorrow. Bible Rundown. Bible Rundown. You're going to run it down.